careful right now. Well, in Acts chapter 4, after the, uh, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk to us about the life of Jesus and uh, how he worked with his disciples. In the book of Acts, it's often called the long titled Acts of the Apostles. And uh, that's a pretty good title, uh, although it probably should be more accurately Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Title's getting longer, isn't it? Um, in the fourth chapter, um, some things happen. Peter and John are involved in uh, the healing of a man who's never been able to walk by the temple, and, and they started talking to people about how Jesus was the one who did it. And uh, they got in trouble. They were arrested. They spent the night in the temple jail. Um, the Supreme Jewish leaders and religious leaders called them all together the next morning and, and told them that if they ever talked about Jesus again, bad things were going to happen. You didn't spend the night in jail, so I'll just wait until we'll figure out something either works next time, if there is a next time, but if you're smart, there won't be a next time. Shut up, or we're going to make you pay, right? That's what they were saying. And Peter said, Well, you know, you tell me what's better, obey you or obey God. Sounds pretty strange for a guy who just spent the night in jail. Uh, well, it's not bad. And so, in, in Acts chapter 4, they come back to the rest of the church. Yes, I'm getting there. Don't want this enough for the sermon. First, I want to be wondering. This is just getting ready for the Bible reading. Uh, they come back together and they call the church together and they tell them what happened. They arrested us and they put us in jail overnight and they told us to never talk about Jesus again. Well, the worst things were going to happen to us. And somebody said, we need to start a petition. Get all the people to sign a petition. And, no, that's not what they did. Um, and someone said, we need, to, we need to boycott the temple. We need to stop going to the temple. We won't give them any money until they change their mind. No, that's not what they said. Um, but what did they say? They said, let's pray. What a novel concept. Let's pray. And so they prayed. Here, and this, is, this is the report of what happened. Acts chapter 4, verses 18 to 31. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them everything that had happened, and what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard this report, all together, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O Sovereign Lord, Creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord. And against his Messiah, his anointed one. In fact, he said in his prayer, in fact, this is what happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. And everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, here's our threat. 
and give us your service. Aren't you here to request? Give your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Spread out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this, the meeting place struck, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. They didn't start a petition, they didn't start a boycott, they didn't they didn't complain, they didn't call in a lawyer or two. They they prayed. They didn't pray for safety and protection. They didn't pray for comfort. They prayed for boldness. Now there is a sermon in there, but it's going to be part of the regular sermon. So I'm just going to stop right there. But I just want you to understand, we're not the first people who've gotten nervous when we started talking about being kind and building relationships with people we don't know and who don't know Jesus. We're not the first people. And we are certainly not people who have to worry about being put in jail for it. Okay. Now for the sermon. This is the fourth installment in our series called Five Habits of Great Bridge Builders. And the basic idea of this series is that we follow Jesus. As we follow Jesus, He leads us to meet people where they are and walk with them in Jesus' love until they want to know Him. Now, I want you to understand, this, this is actually one giant sermon. We're, we're calling it a series, but it's a giant sermon. It's got five points. And because I didn't think anybody would sit through a four-hour sermon, we're splitting it up into five parts. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Right? I'm not sure I can talk that long. Some of you do. <laughs> okay, here we go. And see, the main question we're trying to answer is, how can somebody who is not a gifted evangelist Help those who are far from God come home to Jesus. Come home in Him. Okay, now we're ready. So, so that's the question. And the next thing we, first thing we found out is that we have to love people. We all must actively love as Jesus loves. But when it comes to speaking, most of us are going to be answering questions, while a few of us are going to be proclaimers. A few of us are going to be gifted by the Holy Spirit. Do things and to say things that the rest of us just kind of go, oh, how'd you do that? If I were to do that, it would, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. But the rest of us are lived in such a way, that love people in such a way, that they start asking questions. That is, we need to live in ways. They need to live in a way that makes people curious. And that takes more than being nice, like most people. Most people in the United States are nice. So if you are nice and well-mannered, they're just going to think you're good Americans. But you go to Canada, in which case they're really nice, 
and you'll think you're an American because you're not quite as nice as they are. I often believe in Christ, and I, I, I do too. But the point is that most followers of Jesus can be evangelistic by, by living in a way that invites questions, and it's answered with the questions is always Jesus. One way to do that, we realize, is to bless people by listening to them, sharing encouraging words, doing acts of kindness, or giving thoughtful gifts. And, and I've been encouraging us all to try to bless three people every week. Somebody who's in the church family, somebody who's not a part of any church family, and somebody who's in either category. So I'm going to pause for a moment because I, I, I have a feeling some people are feeling some boldness in this. Say you're a couple. You don't necessarily have to do six people a week, although that would hurt. Okay? That would hurt. But, you know, so if, if you as a couple send a note to another couple in the church family, or you be kind to them, or you do something nice for somebody else in the family, in the church family, you've, you've already, most of you are already doing this. Don't panic. I know the scary part is that third person is somebody that's not a part of any church family. And most of us, because we've been in church a long time, are thinking to ourselves, I don't know anybody like that. How am I going to find somebody that doesn't go to church anywhere? The first thing I'm going to suggest is work in your own family. Now, I don't mean that, I don't mean that bad, badly, but it's like everybody in your family going to church and following Jesus. You don't even have to work out of your own family, most of us. Well, yes, that's actually all my family goes to church because I'm the only one. Okay. What about people you went to school with or used to work with or still work with? Well, yes, because, you know, I work in a church. Yes, and that's my problem. It's my best thing to do for me. Okay? That is my problem. Everybody I work with is a part of the church. Or they're pastor of another church, which is, you know, even harder to invite them to my church. Um, okay? What about the person at your favorite restaurant that's eating in your service? Yes, they're real people, and you can be nice to them. Third person who's not a part of any church is going to stretch us a little bit. I refer you to Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Pray for boldness. Jesus made me bold enough to be nice to people that I don't know so they can know Jesus. Yeah, so these are the Okay, the other thing we discovered is that Jesus is Bridges. Salvation Bill Bridges at tables, and so we need to eat with people too. But if you, 
Tuesday mornings, we have a prayer group that we serve. This is sort of an advertisement for that group. At 9.30, we meet here, we pray for people who need to know Jesus. And then, most of the time, the group goes out for breakfast. Guess what? If you're going to be eating with three people every week, and one of those people, these one or two of those people need to be from the church family, and you're here on Tuesday morning, I'm telling all these people that normally come on Tuesday morning, so they know, and then everybody else will want to be here too. Uh, so there's usually you know, anywhere from four to, to, to five of us, and we, you're, you know, we're already taking care of the church stuff. Most of us on Tuesday morning. Some folks go out on Sunday afternoon and, uh, and, and are you following me? Some of this is a particular path where we, where we already are. It's not just that third person, you know. But again, I already told you where you can find some. And then, we also found out that whenever somebody asks a question, the answer is always Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. I had some really interesting conversation with somebody uh, this week, and it, it, they're not here, so don't tell them I talked about them. But one of the things that we kept coming up is, well, maybe we need more training so we won't be so scared. Okay, the only people who need training so they won't be scared go to boot camp. Don't need training to not be scared to talk to people about what Jesus has done in your life. The most you need to do is pray for boldness, and then let the Holy Spirit give it to you. You cannot be trained out of being scared of meeting new people. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are people in this room who are just excited beyond words about these first two ideas. Because you love blessing people and you love eating with people. You just get up and, and, and look, who can I be with today? And then there's another group of people who are, you know, I just better not get up if I have to be with people. Okay? So some of us are going to be stretched in these first two. Because we're going to be stressed to become and build relationships with people when it's not normal for us. Okay. Following Jesus is always going to stretch you, and it is always going to be inconvenient. And if it's not, I'm going to be so bold as to say it's a really good time for you to stop and say, Jesus, am I still following? Did I take a detour someplace? See, these messages are the same. Build a habit of blessing people every week, of eating with people every week. That's the training. Each one of these points in each one of these messages points to one of the five habits that helps us 
to become more like Jesus and relating to people and building bridges for them. I was talking to Gabriel's point, and if we were supposed to leave, uh, but apparently not. Jesus hasn't come back. Um, this, this whole series is a new way of thinking about sharing our faith. Things have been taught to us in the past that made it seem like it was somebody else's job, and it certainly can't be my job. I can't do that. I'm not gifted at that. It's, I'm not supposed to hide it. Yeah, I understand that. I've had all that kind of training, and I can tell you that that is not me. It's not natural. It's not even supernatural for me. This way of thinking about sharing our faith and letting people know about Jesus is about building bridges, and it's motivated and it's shaped by Jesus' love. Paul talks about in the second Corinthians chapter 5, the love of Christ controls and urges and compels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one dies for all, then all of God. So, you've been kind, blessing somebody, maybe even eating with them for a while, and all of a sudden they start asking, you know, there's something about you. When I talk to you, you listen, and you actually remember what we talked about, and you, you listen in a way that makes it seem like you're not just waiting for me to shut up so you can tell me what you think. That is a whole practice. Just think about that. Listening is not waiting for them to be quiet so you can tell them what you think. That's not listening. That's being quiet. There's a world of difference. Listening is hearing what they're saying and not worrying about what you're supposed to say in response. Why? And the government start asking, why? Why do you? Why do you treat me like that? The answer is simple. Jesus. Because I believe that Jesus would have sit down with you, that's exactly the way Jesus would treat you. Jesus would listen to you, and I want to be like Jesus, so I will listen to you. And I want to know you because I think Jesus, I think I know Jesus wants to know you. I want you to know that he loves you. That's your message. It's Jesus. That's the answer. Okay. But it brings me to a question. How will I know what to do? How will we know when and where to build bridges? How will I know who to bless? Who to, should I meet with? How, how will I find people who have no church to call home? No church family, no relationship with Jesus. How will I know when? And where to build these bridges? And we all struggle with the fear of the unknown. 
well, what if we what if we say the wrong thing? What if what if we ask a question we don't have the answer for? Our Lord told you, the answer is always Jesus. What if they ask where Cain got his wife? Well, I don't know, but I do know about this about Jesus. He loves you. Even when you have questions that don't have answers. Where do we get the training we need to overcome our fear? How will we know when and where to build bridges? Well, before I answer that question completely, I want to give you Jesus' crystal clear charge in Matthew's account of his life. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 are called the Sermon on the Mount. In, in the very first lines of the fifth chapter, it tells us Jesus saw the huge crowd that was following him. He went up on the mountainside and he sat down. And he began to teach them. I've always thought that was cool. In our culture, I have to stand up to people. And you guys get to sit down. In Jesus' culture, when the teacher was ready to teach, the teacher sat down and everybody else stood up. Nobody's going to go to sleep while you go out and do That's seven. Yeah, but I figured I'd get outvoted. The Sermon on the Mount is in effect seeing Jesus' inaugural address where he's explaining what he expects of members of his kingdom. This is how I expect you to live. If you're a part of God's kingdom, part of his kingdom family, this is what I expect. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. Town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. Now, Jesus is the light with all uppercase letters. Like the light of the world. We are little lowercase lights, reflecting this light to other people. It's like the sun and the moon. The sun is the light for our planet. But at night, its light is reflected off to the moon. My favorite time of year is winter, when there's a fresh coat of bright white snow and a full moon. I love the way snow looks with bright moonlight on it. It's awesome. I do not like snow with bright sunshine on it. It's blinding. It's painful. It gives me a migraine, literally. It's even worse if I wear a migraine. Oh, yeah. That's the way we are. We're like that moon. We don't produce light on our own. Jesus produces light, but it reflects off of us. His light should go in and through us and reflect on onto other people. So Jesus looks at us and he says to us, You're the light of the world. Get high the city on a hill and you don't put it under a bushel. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
bowl. If you cover a candle, what, what happens is you put a bowl or a glass or something on top of a candle. It, it goes out. Now, not only if you put a bowl on top of it, will light not get out while it's still there, the light itself will go out. It, I mean, you know, I think as people heard that, they, they, they thought, well, of course, that's stupid. Why would you put a bowl on top of your light? We, at our house, we have a couple of lights. We have these really pretty lampshades that don't let light through. If the room is completely dark and it's the only light on, you can see some of the design that's actually on the lampshade. But the thing is so thick, no light comes through it. You cannot read by the light of that room. You can walk around the room and not get tripped because there's an opening at the top and at the bottom, but the lampshades are tough. That's kind of what I think of when I think they're pretty. That's why we bought them. They're pretty in the daytime. For the sun shining. Okay? It's, it's dumb. It's the light of light. And then cover it up so you can see it. Right? Jesus went on to say, instead of putting it under a bowl, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. They put it up. Where the light shines out. All over everyone can see it. It's a place where it shines for all to see. And he says, in the same way, let your light shine. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father. Let your light shine. How do we let our light shine? It shines in and through us when we bless others. What good deeds are. They're actions that encourage people. That bless them. The acts of love that encourage and help others. With, with no strings attached. Why do you do that? Because Jesus loves you and I do too. What do you want from me? Be nice to me. Be nice to me. But other than that, nothing really. Don't you know that Jesus loves us? Jesus commands us to do our good deeds, not so that people think we're special. That's why the answer's always Jesus. The answer is never, well, I'm just really cool. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe that was the way I should have answered that. People are always laughing at that answer. We don't want people to think about us, we want them to think about God. We point them to Jesus. Our acts of love and blessing should not build our reputation. They need to point people to Jesus. So I studied for this. I, I, I found somebody who asked a really interesting question. I never thought of this this way. Here Jesus says, Same with let your light shine. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to read it again. See, I, I, one of these days we're going to get this figured out. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's a, that's a command from Jesus, right? This is what you're supposed to do. You're part of my kingdom. Let your light shine so that people will glorify your Father. And it's all, have you ever prayed anything along these lines? Heavenly Father, let my light shine before people in such a way that they may see my good works and glorify you. 
your prayer. Father, let my good deeds, the light, your light shine through me, through my deeds so that people will glorify you. So how will I know when and where to build the bridges? How will, how will we know? Well, I, I reach way back to my childhood. This is, you know, before some of you were born and, well, after some of the rest of you were born. song we used to sing, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. That's where I took off from it. So don't be saying, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. Trusting the Spirit that guides this light of mine. You will know when and where to build bridges as you trust the Holy Spirit guides you. One of the leaders in, in, in our denomination, the West Wing Church, the Reverend Anita Eastlap, asked a really pointed question. When God reveals his heart and his will to make disciples of all people, do we find ourselves running away like Jonah? Or praying like Peter? A couple of little stories in the Bible that we may, you may have heard Jonah. God says, go to Nineveh and preach, and he gets on the first ship going the opposite direction. He ends up in the, big, the belly of a big fish. Who? Finally decides, you know, I guess it'd be better to go to Nineveh than just take that ride again. So he goes. We find ourselves running like Jonah or praying like Peter. Peter, I'm going to send you to somebody that you've probably never even darkened the door of their house. But don't you dare think that because they're not your kind of people that I'm not sending you there because I am. But Lord, I've never done anything like that. That's okay, I'm telling you to go. But Lord, I've never done anything like that before. It's okay, I'm telling you to go. But Lord, I've never... Look, the guys are at the door. How do you go? Listen to Acts. I believe it's like chapter 9 or so. Chapter 9 or 10. Someone knows my family. You want to check me out? We read, read up on Peter and Cornelius. So here it is. The question When God reveals his heart and his will to make disciples of all people, do we find ourselves running like Jonah or praying like Peter? When you follow Jesus, He will send you. There will come a time when you realize He is sending you as a missionary to save him. Again, if you're following Jesus. And at that point, you're either going to run and disobey like Jonah, or you're going to pray and obey like Peter. Those are the options. Running or praying. Disobeying or obeying. Those are the choices when we have our commitment. There's no reason to give in to our, your anxieties. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide you and help you to live as a missionary, to live as a sense one, to save 
go, what are, well, how do we do that? How do we let the Holy Spirit guide us? Don't run. Pray. Okay, that's, that's real simple, right? That's step number one. Don't run. Pray. Pray for Jesus' love to motivate and shape all that you do. Too often we let fear motivate and shape what we do. The answer to fear is love. Jesus' love. When it starts shaping what we do, we say, and everything motivating us, we pray for the Jesus love to motivate and shape all we do. We pray for a willingness to be bold. Pray for a willingness to be bold. But let's just be honest, that's the first step a lot of us need to take. And pray and obey. It's not just somebody's ears. 
practical thing here. If you're going to pray to the Lord, speak to me, not with me. I would suggest having a way of taking notes. I mean, if you expect God to tell you something, unless your memory is way better than most human beings, and since I know most of you, I'm pretty sure that's not true. Paper and pencil or notebook or tablet or computer or whatever it takes, write it down. How will I know it's from him? I'm glad you asked that question. One of my favorite uh, authors of all time was a Methodist missionary of the last century. His name was E. Stanley Jones. And he was once asked about this thing about listening to God because he, was, he talked about that. He said, Well, you really hear God's voice. He said, Well, I can't really say I hear a voice, but I do know that I have a lot more good ideas. So if you're sitting there expecting, you know, some audible voice today, you need to get over You're not probably going to get that. And if you do, really grab your Bible quick and check what it says. Don't always grab your Bible and check what you think are true. Because the Holy Spirit will never tell you something that's not in line with what you should be learning from your Bible. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, trusting the Spirit to guide this life of mine. We listen to the Spirit until He shapes our character, making us more and more like Jesus. We often want God to dictate detailed directions, documenting everything we need to do, what to do, when to do it, how to do it, with whom, so on. But listening to the Holy Spirit is all about not receiving dictated directions, but about developing our character so He can teach us a new way of thinking and looking at life situations so that when something comes up, we just respond in the way Jesus would. Because we're used to hearing Him. And we have spent that author I mentioned a few uh, a few moments ago, E. Stanley Jones wrote, God must guide us in a way that will develop spontaneity in us. The development of our character must be the primary purpose of our Heavenly Father. He will guide us, but He won't override us. We need to take examples. Suppose a parent was going to dictate to their child Every moment of life, every day of everything they're supposed to do. That child will be tempted. The parent must guide in a manner, in, in a way that allows the child to become self ruling, independent. An autonomous character, capable of making right decisions for itself. That's the way God wants to treat us. He wants to treat us in a way that will help us 
respond like Jesus would without having to go, wait a minute, I've got to pray about this. Are you following me? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine and trust the Spirit to guide Trusting the Spirit to guide this light of mine. The Holy Spirit's goal is to spend so much time with us that we act like Jesus because we spend with Him. He wants to fill us with so much of Jesus' love that it motivates and shapes everything we do. The goal is for us to do on our own what we would have done if God had told us to do it. Uh, and then don't do that slowly, okay? The goal is for us to do on our own what we would have done if God told us to do it. So we ask you to reach into the interior of our lives. As though you're performing open heart surgery. Transform us from within, from the inside out. Give us a love for Jesus and for the people who died to save us. It just keeps growing all through our lives. We admit our weaknesses. Tells us to follow him in, in, in the new ways of relating to others and in relating with new people. And, and change makes us uncomfortable and it certainly doesn't feel safe and secure. We, we don't know what's going to happen. So, Holy Spirit, please come to us. Will you give us boldness and guide us in the way that we speak? Keep us to listen. Help us to pray and to obey Jesus' commission to live as people sent to great 